Okay, so firstly, today's shear is dedicated by the Sadiq Poor family, and um, it's it's uh, it's uh, sponsored by their by by Chaya and her family as Hoda to Akadosh Baruch Hu for their new baby girl, Rafka Victoria. They're still deciding exactly what her nickname is going to be. I heard, and Be'ezus Hashem, our learning should be a schus for her, for health and success for her, the entire family, and all of Klal Yisrael, which I thought was quite a beautiful bracha. So our series we're beginning is with Eshes Chayel, and. Um, as with everything that I do, I always like to start with a haktama. That's just how I am. That's my personality. And if you're smiling, it's because you remember that that's what I do. I feel like that's the, the best form of introduction. Um, welcome, welcome. How are you? Um, now, really, what Aisha's Chayel is, is it's a mashal to the ultimate qualities of what a woman should be. That's really what it is. It's like, you could say it's allegorical. So when you learn it and you hear all of these lofty ideas, you don't then say, wow, I don't match up to that. Like, you know, I must be an F or I must be a C. You understand? When you learn this and as we get into it, you don't start judging and measuring yourself by it. What you do is you hear the idea and then you ask yourself, what, in what areas of this am I successful? In what areas of this am I going to apply more in my life? Where am, I, where am I going to stretch myself? Where am I going to grow myself? But that's what we have to remember. As Jews, we live our lives, right, with an, our goal is to be the best we could be in our avodah Sashem. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. No, no, don't worry. You're not late. We literally just got started. First, first, first sentence or two. So... That's really the whole concept of why we talk about what the ultimate Jewish woman should be like. That's our reason for doing that. These are the ultimate qualities that we want to strive for, that a woman who's part of Klal Yisrael, and by the way, we want to be very clear, single or married, this is goals that all of us have from sort of that moment in time, I, I think, let's say when we graduate high school, we're like, wow. I'm an adult, like this is me for the rest of my life, you know. I look around the table, I think everyone is past that point, right? So that's really our goal. We begin with the end in mind. Um, so Eishas Chayel is the final chapter of Mishlei, which some of you may know. And you also may know that Mishlei is written, the Mechaber of Mishlei. Welcome, how are you? Um, and the Mechaber of Mishlei is Shlomo HaMelech. And if we were going to translate Eishas Chayel, it translates as woman of valor, right? So I want to repeat what we said, that the purpose of, the mush, of any mushal is to take our surroundings and to have it affect our internal growth. That's always the goal of why any speaker or or write an author of anything, will give any type of mashal or comparison, because the goal would be to take that and use that for your internal growth. It would be similar to when we wear a uniform. You know, sometimes we want the uniform to instruct what we do. So if we're in the, the health industry, we wear certain uniforms or we wear certain scrubs or whatever. Sometimes it is, I'm sure, for hygienic reasons, but often it also is like sort of an identity. If you were to walk into that building or that hospital, you would know who's doing what. So just as a uniform will perhaps sometimes instruct what that person is actually doing and 
you know, and you know what else is very interesting? Welcome, hello. You know what else is very interesting also as a uniform? Um, the uniform sometimes tells the person, come, come. Hey, how are you? The uniform also tells that person themselves who's wearing it what their meaning is also. That's also sometimes interesting. It's also an interesting idea of what a uniform can also be. When I wear this, when I step into this mode. So the easiest is a police officer, right? When he steps into that, you know, he or she sort of says, okay, so now I'm in that mode, right? So in the exact same way, um, we are meant to take this mashal of Eshashchayel that we're going to get to in this materialistic, distracting world that we are living in and to hear these concepts and ideas and to see how could we bring ourselves into that. What is it that we can do? So now many Mepharshim believe that Shlomo HaMelech um, wrote this for his mother, Batsheva, when he was celebrating the Chanukah Habayit of the Beit HaMikdash, so he wrote this, that's when he composed this. So what's, what's then very interesting and we're gonna now focus on is, is that he seems to sort of be implying in a way that his mother Batsheva is the ultimate woman, that she had those qualities. So we wanna analyze that a little bit. Um, certainly because she has these qualities is why she is Zoha to become the wife of David. You may remember learning a little bit about David and Batsheva. You may know that they had a little bit of a funky start, right? David decides he wants Batsheva as his wife. There's, this is one of the times that Chazal say, Kol HaOmer, David Chote, Eino Elatoa, that David really wasn't Chote when he took Batsheva as his wife. So where we could apply this is that David sees that there are qualities in Batsheva that he needs in order. Yeah, so on the most simple shot, there's a love that David has for Batsheva. There's an attraction, but on a deeper level, he sees that he and Batsheva are going to bring together and accomplish things together that they need. And it's because of these qualities that she becomes his wife. So we're going to go back to something. I find it fascinating, by the way, in all the shirim that I give, in all the prep that I'm doing, Baruch Hashem, that I'm zocha to do, the concept of Adam and Chava and Eitz Sadat comes up constantly. And it's not because I'm in Sefer Bereshit right now, by the way. It's a fascinating thing, and I want to say, therefore, that it's such an, uh, it's an important element of everything that we keep very often flows from that experience. It's a very interesting thing. It's a, it comes up constantly in our learning. I, I'm just noticing, I'm putting it out there. So at creation, Adam and Chava have this amazing opportunity that was never, ever again available to people. Never, ever again, which is they could crown Hashem as the ruler of the world for eternity. Welcome. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Come get comfy. So, Danielle, this is such a kavod. Look at your house filling up. And we're all learning Torah. So beautiful. I, I'm beyond happy. I mean, this is, this is me and my element. So thank you, everybody, for learning with me. So this is a chance that they had right when the world was created. What do Adam and Chava give this up for, right? What's the whole concept of Eitzadah? What did they want? You probably learned and know. They really wanted more independence, right? They wanted, they just thought that they could become more evolved as people. In Gan Eden, there isn't that same struggle. There isn't that same picking and choosing. 
So they thought to themselves, so we'll eat from the Eitzadah, we'll have deeper knowledge and understanding of life and of development and of ourselves, and it will grow us, it will develop us, right? Now there's many reasons why they ate from, ate from the Eitzadah. On some level you could say perhaps that I'm simplifying it, but for our purposes, that's kind of their way of thinking. And the word we want to think about is independence. They wanted independence from God, and they thought it would be better for them. What ends up happening? What we know what happens. They eat from the Eitzadat. And what do we struggle with today? We don't have more independence. What we actually find is that we're more enslaved to our passions, to our egos, to our desires, to our financial and social goals and constraints and comparisons. So we don't actually end up with something more independent. We think we did. We wanted to. We meant to. It's not what we end up with. So in the end, right, it only really made us what we thought, what Adam and Chava wanted to give us was independence. It actually made us more dependent and our lives didn't necessarily get better. Now we're more dependent on these outside dependencies and look at what we're dealing with today in an even stronger way. We're dealing, dealing with social media and we're dealing with all kinds of materialistic acquisitions that we struggle with. Welcome, how are you? Welcome, welcome. Now, what's, welcome, welcome, come sit. We're so happy that you're here. I can't wait to go around later and just have names. Some people, some, some women I know and some I'm excited to get to know. Um, please help yourselves to food. No one should be shy, because I'm not shy, so definitely I set the tone, for sure. What is going to get us out of this rat race? What's going to get us out of the rat race? just had a conversation with a 20-year-old single boy who's a relative of mine, and those of you who know me know I'm sharing my heart, right? That's me, like I'm just being vulnerable, and I'm like, I also want to get to know this young man, and I want to be mechazik him a little bit, and we get into this conversation of, we're in a rat race, and where are we going? And he's like, right. And I'm sure we all feel it. There is some sort of rat race that all of us kind of feel that we're in. Even if Baruch Hashem, we have the wherewithal, and if you're here today, I know you have that wherewithal, because you're making time to learn and to grow yourself. But even with all that, we all feel that sense. We all have that, so what's going to sort of save us? What's our goal? Now, I don't want to say it's the ultimate goal. Mashiach is not the ultimate goal, but what is going to sort of cure us from this is Mashiach. The ultimate Melech HaMashiach is going to release us sort of from this enslavement. So after thousands of years, right, that man has sort of experimented with, in a certain way, what we notice around ourselves. People are almost avoiding God. That's really what's happening right now in the world that we live in. And to think that we have this group of women which reflects our amazing community or communities. You might be from different parts of the communities. Um, living life in a world that is really being porek all, that is throwing their bonus shalom away. Um, Melch HaMashiach is going to liberate us from that. And... Um, is, and, and the ultimate is going to happen. The whole world is now going to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu exists. Just as water covers the entire earth, Baruch Hashem land is on water so we can walk. But the whole world is Be'etzim, covered in water. That's really what's going to happen. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to join a half moon circle. Welcome. How are you? Welcome, welcome. So if you're, drawing, if you're writing, half moon circle, okay? If you're just listening, that's great too. Do this half moon circle in your mind. Welcome, welcome. I'm Shandy. How are you? 
Very nice to meet you. So on one side, let's put Adam, okay? Now what could Adam have done? He could have crowned Hashem as, as king forever, okay? On the other side of your half moon circle, put Mashiach, who is going to crown Hashem as Melech, and then that's gonna be forever. And in the middle, I want you to picture or place David. What did David do? This is where Bacheva fits into our conversation. David bridges that gap between Adam who missed the mark. Now, I want to be very clear. When we talk about great men like Adam, Avot, Imahot, we're talking about, I mean, I want to almost say like Adam is not even almost human, even though he is. So the only reason we talk about great men and women like this is for purposes of learning. And I want to pause and say, as on, that is one of the greatest things about Yiddishkeit and Torah, that we are allowed to record certain things for eternity for us to learn from them. Think about it. And it shows us the greatness of Adam and Chava. The fact that we're allowed to analyze their mistake is the greatness of our religion. No one is meant to be perfect. So if there's anything we're going to walk out with today is it's that, it's that. We can't even be perfect if we wanted to or if we tried. But say we wanted to take that on, wouldn't be possible. So Adam could have crowned HaKadosh Baruch Hu as eternal king, and he didn't. And then we have Mashiach who will, and in the middle we have David. Okay. Now we know that Melech HaMashiach is a Hashem going to come from David's lineage, okay? And it's going to come from Bathsheba, his wife. Because she was so similar to David, she was Zoha, that the lineage of Malchus based David, the kings of David, and Melech HaMashiach will eventually come from that, will come from her union with David. That it will be from their lineage. What was it about David and then Bathsheba? So the uniqueness of David, which is why Mashiach comes from him, Emrat Hashem, is that David HaMelech found HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every aspect of his life. That means that in the mundane, in the spiritual, in the emotional, in the day-to-day, -day, and in the crises and in the difficulties, and those who have studied the... Oh, thank you, that's so nice. Those who have studied David HaMelech's life will know he suffered many, many, many crises. Many, many, many. And he still found HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But what's unique to David is that he found Hashem in the day-to-day. -day. In the regular living, he also found Hashem. Bathsheba mirrored him. She also found Hashem in all aspects of her life. And she was able to bring the Rabboni Shalom into her life. And that, by the way, is now bequeathed to all of us women. One of the very unique qualities about a woman is that she can bring the Rabboni Shalom into every aspect of her life the mundane especially. Women have a special koach that they could sit at a shear and bring their newborn babies and be thinking about their grocery lists and be sitting around and say hello to their friends and still listen and concentrate. I don't think that men have that. And remember that whenever we compare men and women, it's never putting one down over the other. It's important that we know our qualities. It's important. So when it says, for example, nashim daitim kalos, that women's minds are flighty, this is what it means. It doesn't mean that a woman can't think. It doesn't mean that a woman can't absorb, she can't make decisions, she's less intelligent. It means she can go from idea to idea to idea to idea, and she can hold them all. 
Whereas sometimes we say, and we only say this lovingly, we say about some men, they can't even chew gum and do something else at the same time. Now, of course, they could, right? But why are some of us smiling? Because we see it in our spouses, in our lives, with our dads, with our, okay, we don't have grown sons here at the table, but I do. You see there is a difference in how they approach life. So Batsheva was able to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the mundane, and that's why she and David, she becomes David's wife. And Amr Mashiach will come from her. This is what Shlomo is heralding about his mother. He's telling us she is the ultimate Eshet Chayel. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did Batsheva have that quality before she married David, or she married him after she married him? Um, okay. So the qualities we're learning about in an Eshet Chayel is the concept of Shlemus the completion of a person. And that's what we're all going for. We're all trying to achieve the greatest level of shlemus, wholeness, completion for ourselves. With the strengths HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us and with the parts of ourselves that are actionable and need work, our goal is to grow ourselves in our strengths and to push our, to use our strengths to push ourselves in the areas that we struggle with. We all have struggles. There is no such a thing as a person who is a shalim. We talked about this earlier. We're never going to reach perfection. Our goal is to try to do it the best, the most we possibly can. To reflect the concept of shlemos and to bring across sort of beremes, this idea of shlemos, Shlomo HaMelech wrote a Shishchayel according to the Aleph base. If you ever wonder why he did it, he wrote it so that Aleph through Tuff, it almost be like a complete, he presented it to us as sort of a complete poem, you could say. I have chosen specific otiotes that I am going to be teaching. So if you notice that I skip and I don't go Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet. Sometimes I do Dalet and then I go to Vav and I go to Chet. It's because I am using the book written by Rebetzin Tzipora Heller, which is called More Precious Than Pearls. And um, I have chosen, and obviously I'm adding my own anecdotes and my own mefarshim and my own ideas, but that's what I'm following. So when I was preparing Ishafayel for you, I made the decision of what I thought you, as a group, would find the most compelling. So if you see me skip around, you should understand why I'm doing that. So we're going to start with Aleph, okay, and let's see how far we get. I'm just checking our, my timing. I'm just looking to see where, okay, perfect. Um, so sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. So Shlomo name was, was the... Okay, so we're going to start with Aleph, yes? Okay, so Eshet Chayel Miyimtza. Who can find a woman of valor? For her value is far above pearls. Now, whenever poetry is written, those of you who are into poetry and, and like poetry and enjoy it, you understand that poetry is very flowery and very allegorical and you know, requires always explanation and an understanding of it. Like some of these words, we obviously understand, they're in English. And some of them are like very, very flowery. Like what in the world is a woman of valor? And why is, you know, is her value more than pearls? You also need to know that the specific mafarshim we're using are not the only mafarshim. There are many mafarshim on Eshes These are the ones that we're pulling out. So the ultimate praiseworthy woman that we are reaching for is an Eshet Chayel. And if you take the word Chayal, which is valor, it has, and so I guess, anyone want to translate valor? Strong? So yeah, because Chayal, the same Shoresh, 
A chayal is a soldier, so you could definitely say that, right? Um, it's the same shorish as a soldier. So yes, that's right, the, the translation. So I, when I see valor, I don't know, I think woman of, and something flowery, like, I don't know, music notes or flowers start to roll, <laughs> roll around in my head. I don't know why, because that's how valor feels to me. But the actual translation of Eshet Chayal um, is, is a soldier, and the Shoresh is strength. So always what's so beautiful about Lashon HaKodesh is whenever you see the Shoresh here, and then you see it somewhere else, it's all connected, which is so beautiful. That's just an extra layer of beauty to learning Torah. So where else do we see the Shoresh? When Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to find Anshe Chayil in the Midbar, to us, right, to be judges, to help him judge Klal Yisrael. There, he's refer, referring actually to men of wealth. Why is that? Because wealth is a form of strength. So now let's ask ourselves, how would me and you define wealth? Anyone want to try? Well, I mean, in today's, I mean, we just described wealth as money, monetary. 100%. <laughs> Good. Layer that on to what she's saying. If it's, if, in other words, if you wanted to sort of give meaning to it, not that what she, 100%, we define wealth as money, right? But maybe let's, let's spin this question. How would you know that you are wealthy? So according to Sarah, and she's right, you would have a lot of money in your bank account. So I'll tell you where we could go with that, which is you would have more than what you need. That's how you would know that you're wealthy. You'd be like, ah, I could finally buy those shoes and not even worry. I could have that extra purse, not think about it. We could maybe go on that vacation. We don't even have to sweat it. Whatever it means to us, the car we think we need. And by the way, we're not talking about people who are just throwing money out. We're talking about reaching a level in our lives where we don't feel stressed about the financial things, let's say, that we need, right? Perkeyavos, however, says, Ezehu Ashir, So Chazal, right, are, the Chachamim of the Mishnah are telling us something totally else. They're saying, wait a minute, you want to know when you're truly going to be wealthy? One, he or she who is satisfied with their portion, regardless of how much that really is, is a truly wealthy person. So now, can we fuse these two ideas? We wouldn't necessarily think that our neighbor who has less than what we think we would be satisfied with, and we wouldn't describe them as wealthy, but we would say that they're sameach b'chalkehem, we wouldn't have necessarily said that they were wealthy. So can we fuse these two ideas? Can we take the 2022 idea of wealth, and can we take the idea that, that being satisfied with what you have is what our Chachamim tell us as wealth, and put those two ideas together? And the answer is yes. Why? Because the Rabboni Shalom really gives every one of us more than what we need. And our appreciation for what we actually have is part of our Bechira Chafshis. Every single day of every minute of life, we get the opportunity, and that's what's so beautiful I want to say about being alive. The beauty of being alive and what we should appreciate the most is that the Rabboni Shalom allows us to constantly reevaluate and grow ourselves. So if yesterday I wasn't so appreciative and today I could be more appreciative, then I've actually grown a better version of myself. 
And that's the beauty of being alive. I'm constantly a holich. I'm constantly pushing myself. And even though in an hour from now I'm going to make a decision that's less than what I'm proud of, it doesn't take away my accomplishments and what I have achieved. It's an unbelievable concept of what the Rabbon Hashem put into the world. It's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu is devastated. He can't go into Eretz Yisrael. Hashem says you can't go. So part of it is he wanted to keep mitzvah and he wanted to have that chance. But death brings an end to the growth of our neshamos. The idea that every minute of every day I could grow myself for more is an unbelievable concept. When you start to tap into what that means, it's going to give you the excitement that I'm conveying to you right now. It really is an amazing thing that at this moment I could grow myself and the Rabbanu Shalom accepts me with that. So back to what we're saying is we all really Baruch Hashem ultimately have more than what we need. Now, more than what I, Shane D. Gross, won in 2022? No. So that's my area of struggle. I could tell you a long list of things I would like to have. But Be'etzem, if I could tap into the fact that I really have more than what I actually need, then it's my Bechira of how much I choose to appreciate that. It's a good exercise to strengthen our appreciation muscle, is to, is to find time in our day, or if we're unbelievably busy, Baruch Hashem, perhaps in our week. An appreciation muscle is something that we strengthen, just like we, I wouldn't be able to right now pick up a 50-pound weight. I would have to, maybe I could do a bicep curl with a 10-pound, okay? Um, but certainly not 50 Okay? In the same way, if we're going to ask ourselves to have an appreciation for something when we're not there yet, we have to really, in general, we need to know that midos and development of you know, stretching ourselves really is a muscle that we have to push ourselves to achieve, and we have to remember that. So as long as we see what we have as less, why, why do we usually see what we have as less? Because we take for granted what we actually have, and therefore we only notice what we don't have. We just take it for granted. We assume, or we say, listen, Hashem, I can't be just appreciative for this, because, I mean, honestly, everybody in L.A. has this. You know, everybody in my community has this. You know, so really, like, you want me to really get excited about, I don't know, that my kid got into the gun that I wanted him or her to get into? Like, really, God, you know, like, like, you know, gun is just the basic, like, I, I, you know? Now, maybe if you tried to get into that mora for a very long time and you finally got in, so you'd be appreciative. But because we sort of take for granted, does this make us bad? No, 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 no judgment. It's what happens as a human being. We take for granted certain things, and therefore we don't notice, we, sorry, therefore we notice what we lack as opposed to what we have. So we start Eshashchayel in the first Pasuk by explaining that the ultimate goal of every Jewish woman is to realize that she is blessed with an abundance of good. That she is, hey, welcome. welcome. How are you? That she is blessed and she is what? In Ashes Chayel. She is a woman of wealth. If you want to know the ultimate, that's how we're beginning. If you want to walk out with a, with a very significant message of today, it's to be able to look at yourself and say, I am wealthy. Why am I wealthy? 
Because if I stop for a minute and look at my life and look at what I have, I will see that Baruch Hashem, I am blessed with a lot, a lot more maybe than I know or I thought to really actually think about. And that actually lifts your spirits when you... So one thought I have is, as we go through our day and we struggle and we feel down about something or something is hard for us, none of us, or maybe you're just more special than me, wake up every day in the same good mood. I don't know about you, but I don't, right? There are days I need a pick-me-up. So this could be an option for some of us if we're able to do this, which is to say, I'm down about this, or this is hard for me, or I'm struggling today about this. But what I can do is, maybe if I can practice that appreciation concept, and I can ask myself if there's something I'm appreciative for. Many, many, many studies. Wall Street Journal, look and read all of them. I mean, you read so many things. Most for you, it's online. I'm still old-fashioned. I love to hold a, a newspaper in my hands. Um, but so many articles that I read and that I see. It, gro- appreciation is something, yes, you may have received it from your home, so you're a step ahead. Yes, you naturally might have that nidah, but it is definitely something that you grow in yourself. The more mindful you are of it, the more it's going to sort of, you could say, be a thing. This is a very powerful praise. If you're thinking to yourself, this is an ultimate Eshaz Chayel, yes, it's a powerful praise. Specifically, and now I'm moving you into the next idea, specifically because in a woman's life, she can and sometimes is more negative. So if you find yourself being a little more negative, you are biologically created to be that way. Why? Why? Right? So, like, you're also going to walk out today and you're going to be like, wow, I didn't know that this is not my fault. Right? I didn't know. I thought it was, or I thought it was just me. No. We're biologically created this way. Why? Women, what? It's called being realistic, I think. It's called? It's being realistic. Yes. I'm like thinking ahead. I don't look at it as Yes. Good for you. Good for you. I'm like, I'm thinking ahead. Exactly. Exactly. But negativity isn't always being very organized. Preparing for the worst. Preparing for the worst, right. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. That's where we're going with this, correct. Right. So women more than men tend to have a condition called Soros Ayin. Okay? So if you're right, right? Okay? Is this still under Aleph? It's still under Aleph. Yes. Soros Ayin. It's like a stinginess and a, a narrow, more tunnel vision. So not stinginess and money. No. More of a, um, of a more narrow, a more narrow vision. Let's develop it so we understand. Why is it that like women... Particular, being particular? No. Being, let's, let me develop it and then you'll ask me, okay? Tell me if I, if I answer it. They suffer more of this because women by nature are nurturers, right? So we start out, think of yourself when you're young. You start out, you nurture your friends Hopefully you learned to nurture yourself as you became an older, uh, an adolescent and older than that. And then you nurture your siblings, your, your, your sisters, your, whatever your role was in life. But women by nature are nurturers. Look at little girls. They nurture their dolls, right? So by nature, the Rabboni Shalom put it biologically into us that we are nurturers. To be a nurturer is a very complex job. 
Okay, let's think about what nurturing entails, right? It involves learning and figuring out what the recipient of your nurturing needs rather than giving them what you feel like giving, right? To nurture correctly, you develop a relationship. Now, when it's your child, it's easy. You have one. But to nurture anybody, to nurture your spouse, you get to know them. You see what, they, what makes them tick. You see this, the ma'alot, the strengths, the chesro notes, the more actionable parts of the person. And you figure out, what does this person need from me? Now, women do this so automatically that what I just downloaded to you as a process, you do automatically. You do it constantly. But this is really what the aspect of nurturing is. I don't give you necessarily what I want to give you. Okay? So maybe I want to give you like the simplest dinner. Like, but I don't. I, I, I kill myself to make that really complex, I don't mean long-winded 40-hour dinner, but it has a carb and it has a protein and it has a vegetable. Why do I do that? Because that nurtures you and gives you the nutrients and the vitamins I want you to have. In the same way, a nurturer does the same thing with emotional needs and perhaps with the way the home is set up. Everything that a nurturer does is thinking about what the recipient really, really needs. Now, the nurturer also holds this very fine-tuned knob. The nurturer doesn't give too much, right? The mom might say, well, I'm going to do this, but I want to develop some independence. So this is a good age for me to pull back a little bit. And maybe, you know, a wife might say, I want to be there and I want to support. But I also see that if I do too much, then he feels almost a loss of his own maybe sense of self. I want my husband to feel head of the household. There's so many ways that this could be spun. Now, adding on to this idea of a nurturer, a mom and a woman, whichever position you find yourself in, one or both, we want to contribute to the world the greatest gift, which is perfect human beings, right? If someone said to you, you're just a wonderful kid, I mean, mamish mediocre, right? Be the biggest insult, okay? Dennis Prager once said, the most amazing thing if you listen to any Jewish parent or grandparent is they talk about how brilliant their children and their grandchildren are it's like it's it's literally conditioned in the Jewish DNA this is what we like want need you know it's all about that it's all about like the genius because what is what are Jewish moms and dads and what is Yiddishkeit and, and growth all about we're pushing for the best for the most perfect most developed human being Children, however, probably husbands too, people, we, we just are all imperfect. It's like we insist. No matter how much, think about what was put into all of us, you know? So yes, our parents would say we're perfect because they love us, right? But I'm sure there are things we are doing, you know, they wish that we did it a little different. So people and children just insist on being imperfect. And so what happens to a woman is we see this as a negative reflection of ourselves. On some level, we might feel guilt. I should have tried harder. We take it on ourselves, like this is my fault. Or we feel anger. You kind of feel like, wow, I worked so hard. I pushed so much. I gave so much. I brought so much. I drove so much. We might feel frustration with a spouse. 
I gave so much. I gave so many suggestions. I gave so many ideas. You know, um, I don't know. I cooked so many healthy dinners. Still, you're not making good choices. When you're out of the house, you're still stopping at this horrendous cafe and buying yourself this loaded up muffin. Who knows? Whatever it is, right? People are like that. So we want to give. But the person we are giving to is not always capable of receiving. If it's a child, they're very little. They can't always receive it in the way that we want them to. And so it creates feelings of guilt, resentment, and go back to that word we started with, that negative feeling. We just end up in a negativity. Why? Attached to this idea is a lot of female tasks are very routine. Routine is something we do over and over. So the simplest way to describe our tasks that our routine is laundry, doing dishes, you know, but even lots of other things, raising children, it's routine, right? There are lots of routines. If we're nursing, it's routine. If we're giving bottles, it's routine. If we're having bedtime, it's routine. Lots of what we're doing is routine. It's over and over and over again. And you, when you fall into that, that daily grind, it feel, that repetition sometimes makes you feel unaccomplished, which of course you are accomplishing, but you can feel that way. And it's never ending. And so very often the tasks of what a female contributes to herself, to society, and to her family, Amrit Hashem, doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't always feel like it's gonna end. And it could, you could therefore lose your sense of direction and you can lose the feeling that this is a higher purpose. Think back to yourself when you first got married, the first dinner you made, the first few dinners you made, you took pictures of them. You felt very, very accomplished. And everybody who was close to you and loves you celebrated along with you. Woohoo! dinner, you know? Are you still taking pictures of those dinners? Likely not, right? You're taking pictures of other things. The amazing thing you put out for Chag, um, the beautiful flower arrangement you did for recent Shabbat, whatever it is, but you're not celebrate, right? Because we look as humans for hischatshut, that renewal, that which continues to be the same, 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 that doesn't give us the same. So the same is true, by the way, with a relationship with a spouse. There's no measurable outcome, right? No beginning and end to the task of the expressing our love to a spouse. No one can say, I know I loved him the most I could because here's what appeared on my phone. By the way, they will eventually develop an app for that, but they haven't yet, right? So on my phone, I could see, or it's hard to measure. It's hard to measure if I loved enough, gave enough. These are, these are things that are, are actually not measurable. So if we're gonna talk about wifehood for a minute, wifehood is something that we value so much and we throw all of ourselves into it, and yet it comes with no medals, no cash compensation, right? I'm sure you know, because this was going on a while back, um, somebody was, um, I'm trying to think how it went, where he was interviewing people for a position, and he was describing <laughs> Gesundheit, the numerous tasks that would be necessary, right? There's and a video it, that's viral on like Instagram. Remember? The Dove commercial. Exactly. Maybe that's what it was, right? Was it Dove commercial? Yeah, right? And it turns out that it's a mom, right? Right? Someone else used this similar analogy where a rabbi was um, being macarib. He was like giving over like a lecture to a group, and he, um, he describes 
things his wife does. He describes her as like she's a physical therapist and she's a behaviorist and, you know, and the person in the group is nodding along. And then he says, actually, we have six children, Kanai Nahara, and, you know, she stays at home and this is what she does. So Rabbi Tanella actually uses this in a different analogy where she's like, had he initially said, my wife is a homemaker, and sometimes that doesn't come along with the correct level of respect, you would think it should, right? So therefore, this is often what happens in life. Part of what we're trying to accomplish today, by the way, our goal of learning together is to remember that the things we are saying today are actually the greatest contributions to society. Just keep that in mind, that the main reason of why we are so blessed to be Torah Jews and have Torah in our lives is the Torah is the antithesis to all of those incorrect messages that we are getting from the outside world. Sadly, as every day passes, they're losing a lot. But we are, Baruch Hashem, left in our fortresses of our communities and our homes to constantly remind ourselves there really is no greater contribution than self-growth. Because the fact that you were put on this world, you have a tachlis and a purpose. And then when you get married, there's no greater investment than investing in a marriage. It is the continuation of Klal Yisrael. And then in Mert Hashem, if and when you're zochot to have children, that's the next greatest and to raise a family is the greatest contribution a person will ever give. We could spend time talking about it at a different time, but it's important for us to know that exactly what the world is often not putting enough accolades to and not really giving flowery descriptions to enough, and sometimes they might say it and pay lip service to it, but when it comes down to it, they don't necessarily see it that way. So in conclusion, what is the result of a lot of this routine and a lot of this repetition that we don't feel accomplished and we kind of come to the feeling of what's the point? So to circle back to where we started, this is why women end up with a little more tsaras ayin, a little more of that narrow vision because their tasks and their roles as nurturers can sometimes create that. And so in conclusion, the Eshet Chayel is a woman who is aware of her wealth. She's aware of her strength. She's aware that she has Baruch Hashem more than what she needs. She takes stock of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did give her, did provide for her. Does that mean we shouldn't have goals? Does that mean we shouldn't reach to achieve? Of course we should reach for more. But to be satisfied we ha- with what we have as we reach for more is the goal in life. And the Eshet Chayel does look at her accomplishments. The simplest way to feel accomplished is to look at the most simple, basic things you have accomplished. If you want to know how to feel accomplished, that is the best way. Not just to look for big wins, but to see simple accomplishments. And therefore, the Eshet Chayel won't fall into that Saras Ayin, that narrow vision. Because what she does is she takes a step back and looks at the big picture. Another tool you can do when you find yourself falling into that frustrated negative space is to take a step back and ask yourself, what's the bigger picture here? And sometimes that can calm ourselves down from the anxiety we feel about something, from the frustration we feel with something. Very often we don't know how to stop that feeling. Like, I'm anxious about something, so now what in the world do I do about it? So for some of us it's breathing, for some of us it's venting, But for some of us, it could also be taking a step back and saying, wait, what's the bigger picture here? Can I just say for a minute, you know, that there's a bigger picture? 
when I was raising my children and there was tons of screaming and yelling in the morning. Does anyone else experience this? The rush in the morning and then going out to carpool, you know, into the, into the minivan. I just felt like the biggest failure. Something that helped me was when a friend who, I, you have no idea, the screaming and the yelling and the fighting. Literally. No, of course. I, I, the fighting and who's sitting in which, in which seat of the car. And who, and then when they decide what the fight is, and I, I just felt like literally an F, you know? So when I spoke to my friend, I, I choose my friends well, because she was also a child psychologist, she said, Shandy, take a step back for one minute and just know this goes on in every house. And I was like, right, deep breath, Shandy, right. It's not just you, not just your children. What was the bigger picture for me? My children are normal, I am normal. They're going to grow up. They no longer fight with each other and kill each other in the same way. Um, so that, to me, was the bigger picture at the moment. So that's why I'm giving that as a suggestion. And therefore, in conclusion, such a woman, right, if we can reach that level of understanding, that's a priceless treasure. That's why it says, Her worth is greater than pearls. I find it fascinating, and I am sure that there are Mepharshim who discuss why pearls. Why is it that we, we talk about specifically a pearl? There are many reasons. I personally don't have one to offer today. I don't know if they, there must be something specifically about how... Yeah, you heard about it? Well, I don't know just the way that the pearls are found. They're not... In an oil. They're found in an oil. Ah. They have to grow and go through like a... Right. Women like with the mikvah. Yeah. How they go in the water, so same as a pearl... That's that beautiful. It develops in the water. Beautiful. Like, mm. 100%. I've not seen it inside, but it makes perfect sense to me that this must be the allegory of a pearl. So with this, we're going to um, conclude today. I know some people are tight on time. So I am staying here, and I'm able to schmooze and talk, but anyone who has to leave, I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of the day. Anyone who could stay, I would love to get to know you 